Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Ready? I got my hair cut way too short. I didn't mean to. It just kind of happened. It's looking good. It just kind of happened. Yeah, it's not that short. I mean, yeah. It's, I said, give me the Chris right? Sims. Yeah. Oh, I would love to see that. Maybe that's a bet we need to make going into the summer. <laughs> I'd like to see them no. take it down to about the skin on the side. Let's see that. That would be a good no. look for you. <laughs> no. No, not going to happen. That's actually not bad. I could live with that. You could deal with that. You could that's go blonde. Better, that's better than that's better than your fresh cut Gomer Pyle look. I, I know. It's a, Where, it's a big discussion in my house. My my uh, you know Gomer Pyle look and what I do. My m- most of my family wants me to grow my hair out. They're sick of it short. Oh, Christopher, you have such beautiful hair. Why do you keep cutting it like this? That's what I'm hearing a lot in my house. So I'm gonna have to make a decision here soon. Wait, who are you hearing that from? Your oh, wife or your parents? My wife, my parents. I mean, pretty much everybody. My sister, everybody in my family has pretty much gives me crap about my hair over the last like six, seven months. <laughs> You've been doing that for a while now. And I we know. see an old clip every once in a while, or I'll be looking up an old story on PFT and there'll be a clip of us from a few years ago. God, we've changed. I know, right? But uh, <laughs> it's amazing. You don't think about it at the time. Well, why would you? But... Now I'm now I'm self-conscious like a couple of years from now when I look back on clips from now I'm going to think oh god what was I wrong know. with those guys then we look great now those guys were ugly we look great <laughs> Seriously <laughs> But you had, you had some you had some long hair I did I had some hair that was all over the place so I got to I got to figure out what I'm going to do I think I'm going to ride the short hair gomer pile haircut out for the summer and then when we come back after our break training camp all that I'll start the grow out and i'll try to look better for my wife and my mom so they like me more well that's the key you got to keep them happy those are the only two members of the audience that ultimately matter by the way yeah by the way we communicated about this yesterday the the (laughs) i don't i still want to talk about this once i talk about it i have no i can't (laughs) it's what it's one thing to say 
oh, I'd get up on the mound and yeah, I'd groove a right. first pitch right <laughs> into the glove. I'd I'd make the catcher pull the glove off and go, ah, oh man, that was yeah. something. That was heat. And then comes the then comes the email from the Pittsburgh Pirates offering me the opportunity to put my money where my mouth is. And I, I, uh, I saw that yesterday, last night. Yeah. And it was one of those things where it was like, oh, shit. Yeah, I want to do really? it, but oh, no. I don't really? know if I really want to do I, it. I don't. Yeah. I want to talk about the fact that I can do it. Right. I really don't <laughs> want to do it. I really don't want to do it. And then they made the mistake of sending it to you. And you're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you got you got to do it. You got to do it. Well, negotiations are happening. All right. Negotiations Good. are ongoing. Like I said, if it, it gets if it gets done or something, and, and the date works, I'll come out there. I'll go to the game with you. I want to. I've been dying well, to see that minute. Pittsburgh place, that that stadium. What? Wait a minute. What? You, you're already on record as if it's the Yankees games. Yeah. July five and six. Yes. You're coming. Yes. I've already oh. told them if you can get July five or six. Sims will be there, too, in full Yankee regalia. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll um, be there. But uh, we'll, we'll see. All we'll right. see. All right. It's just 100 miles up the road for me. It's no big deal. I can go up any time. I haven't been in that stadium in a while. I've been there a few times. I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. You don't get out be much. Interested <laughs> because, number one, I don't get out much. And, number two, I have been very clear in my position that once Sid Bream scored from second in the <laughs> 1992 NLCS, former so Pirate stubborn. Sid Bream, who went to play for the Braves, and Barry Bonds, for some reason, couldn't throw him out on a routine single, that's when I knew that that team that they had carefully constructed that had made it to the NLCS in 91, got back in 92, I knew it was over. Bobby Bonilla, gone. He became the Mets problem. Still getting paid. Still is, every Ju- <laughs> yeah. still is every July 1. <laughs> Barry Bonds would be gone. It was going to be over, and I just had no idea it would be 30 years later, still waiting, not just for another World Series championship, but something more than a, a one-and-done. Do they still do that one-game playoff? Yeah. They still do that. They, I yeah. hate that one-game playoff because whoever has the best pitcher advances. It's yeah. automatic. You check the box. Yeah, I, it, it, there's a little advantage there for sure, uh, but it gets more teams in. It gets the fan base you know, excited. Hey, our team's in, and then they do it, so – I don't know. And then two it's, hours later, they're out. Yeah, well, yes, yes. 162 games. 162 games. We made it to the playoffs. I don't like the one oh, wait, game by thing because of that. By lunchtime, we're out. Right. I don't like that because of that, like you just kind of said. It's like if you boil it down to one game, and it's a, it's a sport about series. And like you said, it's just, oh, you go one game, it's, you know, the pitcher. So, all right, let's talk about football. Either way, maybe you'll break their curse if you go there and throw a strike on the first pitch. I want to be in the stands booing you and heckling you while you do it. So we that's, have great, great like openings for the show for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I am confident that I could go to the local baseball field right now, climb up on the mound, and groove one right down the middle, no problem. You throw the, you know, you're in the middle of the stadium. Yeah. There's people there. I, I mean, and the whole, and if it's, you know, it's like, hey, oh, yeah, yeah Yankee game, Crystal comes. Like, well, there's going to be a lot more people at the Yankee game. I'd regularly get when is. no one is there. Yeah. Give me the one o'clock Wednesday afternoon game against, you <laughs> know, Reds. a bad team yeah. when there's 500 people there, and uh, then I'll go do it. But uh, well, negotiations, as I said, All right. are ongoing. I, I, I love, when I was a kid, and that's, I, I, I need to do it 
for the sake of the nostalgia, because when I was a kid, I mean, it was every morning, open the papers, study the box scores, pirates, 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 pirates. When I was growing up, used to sit with my grandfather who would listen to the games on the radio, Bob Prince. He had a Tupperware container that he would stick a paper towel in to spit his mail pouch tobacco juice into. Love sometimes it. he'd Love hit it. the mark. Sometimes, sometimes he, he wouldn't hit the right, mark. Right. Different. Yeah. Granddad was in his eighties then, and uh, the wherever he spit the tobacco, that's where the tobacco would land. Sometimes he he did get it in the Tupperware, and sometimes it would end up on his sock. But uh, but I remember those days. I remember Bob Prince, legendary, legendary, uh, and it was a great ba- radio and base. That's the thing. Radio and baseball is a perfect match. It is a great football match. and TV is a, per- a perfect match. And that's why football overtook baseball, because sure. football is better on TV than baseball, plain and simple. Well, it, it is. It's more exciting. Baseball's got a few issues, it, it definitely as far as appealing to the younger crowd that they, they got to fix, uh, no, no doubt about that. But it's a great sport. And why don't you this summer, all right, go in your pool for the first time in three years in Chateau de Florida. It's ready now. Okay. It's ready now. Go in. And, like, what's great and what I love about baseball is just having it on in the background. Put it on the TV. Just let it just, you know, it's it's like radio. Oh, well, we a long fly ball. Let me look. Let me see what's going on. Oh, oh, a big pitch here. Okay. And then you turn away for a little bit. That's what's great about it. I, I still, every once in a while, trip across a baseball game and, and just, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll start watching baseball now. Maybe this will, may, yeah. maybe, maybe I'll start covering baseball. Maybe that'll be bye-bye football, hello baseball. There'd be plenty of people out there that'd be very happy to get me off of the football beat. People at 345 Baseball Park starts on NBC like on Sunday. Much. That's true. Right? You know, I didn't think of that. Yeah. that that's like, we're, we're, we're pumping, we're, we're, we're pumping, about, we're, we're show, we're yeah. pumping we're NBC not, baseball. We're not talking about hockey anymore. Got, <laughs> no, I, don't know, I don't know, you've been away for a while. We don't no. got hockey no more. No. Uh, but, but so we can talk about baseball instead. <laughs> All right, let's get to football. All right, let's do it. Um, let's begin in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts, whose status in the eyes of the organization, in the eyes of anybody who pays attention to football, elevated once the team made the commitment to go get his close friend, A.J. Brown, last Thursday. Here's Jalen Hurts from yesterday talking about having support from the likes of GM Howie Roseman, as evidenced by the trade, and head coach Nick Sirianni. That's what they say, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's understood, you know. It's my opportunity. Um, it's my team. It's, it's pretty much what it is, you know. It's my team. So I'm, I'm ready to go. And the work has been put in to go out there and achieve what we want to achieve. And I think this being a time for us to come together and spend time together and do all those things, we're still building. You know, we're not going out there and playing the game tomorrow. Um, so there's always work to be put in. And any day that there isn't work, put in that's a day miss that's an opportunity miss so that's just been the mentality of us um and everybody knows that and that's every individual on this team yeah i mean look that's uh the right attitude and there's no questioning jalen hurts leadership his intangibles the things that you bring to the table that elevate the players around you the question is can his play elevate to the level where he's regarded as top half of the league yeah, he's not top half of the league, and it's hard to get into the top half of the it league. Is. You said Jimmy it. G right. can't get into the top half of the league. Right, there's a lot of great quarterbacks now, and I, I, I have been toying with this idea that the Eagles 
are attracted to the notion of having a quarterback who's your franchise guy, but he's not a franchise guy that you're paying $50 million a year to so you can have money for A.J. Brown and other players. But if A.J. Brown's presence helps Jalen Hurts play better, that's right. when he puts himself in line for a better contract. So the better the team is, the better the quarterback plays, the more the quarterback is going to expect. It It, it, it becomes Inevitable a cycle almost. that keeps spinning and yeah, churning. Right. And, and if you have a really good team – Ipso facto, we have a really good quarterback, even if we deliberately have engineered the team around a quarterback who, without all this help, without all these great players that we can afford because the quarterback isn't sucking up a big piece of the salary cap, he wouldn't be as good. No, you're, you're right. It's a cycle, though. You, you know, But, yeah, you have two, three years like that where they are good and you go to the playoffs and the quarterback, whether you know he's played extraordinary superstar or whatever, the fan base, yes, is going to go, wait, this guy's good. We're going to the playoffs. We got something here. So, yeah, that's where it, it, it gets interesting. And Jalen Hurts is, I, you know, I think one of those guys that's going to be in that conversation. I, I think you said it right, Mike. I mean, we're always talking about Jalen Hurts, the human being, and how impressive he is. And that goes pretty much like standard protocol down the line for everybody you talk to in Philadelphia. Uh, the, so th that's where it's like I think it's easy for them to back him because they know he's going to do the right things, work the right way, bring the team together like he's talking about, never miss a day or an opportunity to get better. And that's why you love that guy to be your quarterback. And you can deal with the guy like that to be your quarterback. Okay, yeah, he's got some issues throwing, but he's got all these other things that check the box that we really, really like. And the throwing part, we've seen guys get fixed, tweak a few mechanics, get better and better. So they're hoping for that, and they're going to continue to work on that with him. And we've seen improvements. We've seen improvements. We just know it's not where it needs to be quite yet. That's what the playoff game pretty much answered for us last year against Tampa Bay. Yeah, and uh, next step is getting back to the playoffs and getting a win, maybe winning the division. And yeah. the Eagles are a team that – when you look at the off-seasons of their competitors in the NFC East, they're a team that, that isn't resting on their laurels, no that isn't trying to just tread water. They're trying to get better. At a time when the NFC is wide open, wide open, we've seen the, hey, you know, I hadn't even thought of that because it happened so fast last week during the draft. After all the movement of great players from the NFC to the AFC, we had two go from the AFC to the NFC on Thursday. Yeah, you're Hollywood right. Brown and A.J. Brown reversing that trend although it's not enough to really change it yet it's not it's not it's not moving the needle back the other way but it is something that allows the eagles to say hey the cowboys have been struggling to keep yeah. their team together they're right. on paper worse than they were last year washington who the hell knows the giants work in progress yeah. the eagles have an opportunity to win that division this year around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Uh, speaking of the Giants. Yeah. Yesterday, Joe Shane, new GM. And before I got to any discussion about their draft picks, and they had some fascinating draft picks that we will discuss in a moment, I wanted 
to ask him some specific and direct questions about the Daniel Jones option because I'm still fascinated by the thought process that goes into he's our guy, he's our guy, this is our guy, you have to have a quarterback, we have a good one. We Oh, fifth-year option, nah, I'm kind of full. I'm kind of full from the risotto. Like, I'm, nah, I'm, no, no thanks. Uh, and and, I, and I, I'm, I don't know how you reconcile the two. I don't know how you – because if he's your guy, $22 million isn't all that much for one more year. $22 isn't all that much. And if he does really well, you're looking at, I think, $34 million franchise tag next year. So I'm fascinated by the decision to not pick up the option for Daniel Jones. Here's some of the conversation I had yesterday with Joe Shane about that decision to not extend Jones' contract for one more season. Yeah, the, the, the $22 million, I mean, that's a, that's a large number, but – Again, we're we're excited about working with Daniel. We're we're, we're happy where he is. This is an indictment on who Daniel is as, as a person or anything like that. We're we're really happy with what Daniel's done for us um, throughout the process when we've had him over the three months, getting to know him and being in the building for four weeks now, and and the offseason program. And we like everything he's doing. We're excited to work with him. We just thought that that was the best decision right now for for where we are moving forward. Um, again, we're excited to work with him. We, you know, we've upgraded the offensive line. We like some of the weapons that we have around him. And again, we want to see uh, Daniel be able to put his best foot forward. And I think we've done that this offseason. But um, that decision was just what was best for us right now. There was more there, too. I kept after him on a couple of things. And at one point, I asked if, if it wasn't guaranteed fully at exercise, if this was pre-2020, yeah, and it was guaranteed for injury only, would you have picked it up? And I got the feeling he hadn't really thought about that, and he said he didn't want to deal in hypotheticals. And Right. I I think they would have picked it up. I think so, yeah. That makes injury. sense. Yeah. They did a calculation. They, and as I've said before, and I've written this at PFT, what they did is they bet against Daniel Jones. We talk all the time about a player who bets on himself. They bet against him. They bet that he's not going to be good enough that they'll say, we're glad we have this $22 million commitment. I also asked him about whether or not they looked at other situations as cautionary tales, whether it's the Browns with Baker Mayfield, the Panthers with Sam Darnold. Do you look back at the Bears with Mitchell Trubisky, who didn't pick up the fifth-year option and were happy that they didn't because he didn't play well enough in that fourth year for them to even think twice about keeping him around the following season. And he, he said that that really wasn't any of it. Look, they're, they're trying. I also asked him, are you, are you just thinking this is a carrot that you're dangling for him to have a big season? They're happy if he has a big season. Good problem to have. He agreed with me. It's a good problem to have. I, I, he said, no, he doesn't need the extra motivation. So I'm, I'm just fascinated by this because at its core, this is a team that is not willing to bet $22 million on avoiding the possibility of having to pay 34 because they don't think he's going to be good enough that they're going to look at 22 million for 2023 and say, we're happy that that's all we're paying our starting quarterback because 22 million is not that much for a starting quarterback. All right. That's what fascinates It's, it's in about. flux. You know, it's, that's where it is. I don't think it's betting against. I think that's a little harsh to say that they're not betting against the guy. They're running a good business. They're doing something smart. They're hedging. They're right, hedging. Right. Well, it, listen, it, it's still $22 million. All right. That's three starting players on your team. You know, so you got to you got to make sure he is that guy to go forward. 
You know, there are the cautionary tales, like you explained. I mean, whether it's... But it's going to be five starting players on your team if you have to franchise tag Well, okay. All right. Well, they're willing to take that, but they don't know yet. They want him to be that guy. They want him to be the franchise guy and to have to pay him $35 million. That's why they drafted him there. He's. It's a little bit like Jalen Hurts in the discussion, at least in my opinion, of just going, wait, he checks the box in so many areas. And really, in some of the areas where we don't check the box, eh... Yeah, he's been at fault, but damn, have we and Dave Gettleman done absolutely crap to help him out. So that's where it's like, I don't think they're not even sure how good he can be yet. That's There's the unanswered part there, and I think that's fair. And I know we've talked about this a lot, you and me, and I know you agree with me in a lot of ways. Um, it is. It's hard to get a feel. I know he hasn't been perfect, but it's been three offensive coordinators. And as I tell everybody up here in New York, like, it wasn't just a bad offensive line. It wasn't just bad. That's where people are there. Everyone's just like, well, it was a bad offensive line. Like, it was one of the ten worst. No, it was absolutely the worst. Like, not even close. There's not another team in the discussion for how bad their offensive line's been the last few years. So, that's where, you know, they want him to be the guy. I think. I do. You know, but they got to see, and it's a new coaching staff, and he's got to prove it to them and the new GM, too, that he's the guy, too, there. And I think that plays into the fact also why you don't give him that, you know, guaranteed money two years down the road. I'll be posting after the show the full interview at PFT. Yeah. You can find it now, although we would prefer that you not go look for it now at the YouTube.com slash NBC Sports page. Watch the show. I'll take care of you afterward. I promise. I'll go have my coffee. I got a big sugar cookie my wife bought me the other day. It'll require me to take a nap by 1030. But before <laughs> then, I'll post about Shane's comments because yeah. he lit up. He lit up. Right. When I use the good problem to have yeah. phrase. Right. If Jones has a big fourth year and they have to deal with it next year, he said it's a good problem to have. You've also got the franchise tag if you need it a year from now. That's a gamble. I'd say it's an $8 million gamble or you're, te- or you're talking to his representatives and you're trying to get an extension. And he pointed out that Jones is represented by the same guys who represent Josh Allen. Mm. So they worked with Josh Allen right. when Shane was in Buffalo. He believes that they'll be able to work something out long term if Jones has a big year. But here's the reality. Here's how it works. Very simple analysis. Yeah. If you have to tag the guy... The tag number drives the contract. The tag number determines what the contract's going to be. Right. That's the starting right. point. Yeah. And if he has a really good year, he may want more than the tag is the starting point. He may say, put me right in the middle of 40 to 50 million. Put me at 45, 43, 42. Who knows? Salary cap keeps going haywire. But I still think he's at 8 million. That would put the franchise tag at 30. Franchise tag for quarterback was 29 this year. There's no way it's only going to be 30 next year because yeah. it's driven by the increase in the cap. Right. I think it's going to be 33, 34 million <laughs> next year. So it's about a 12 million. Game. It's at least a $10 million gamble, and they're happy to lose it. Right. They're, they will be thrilled if Daniel Jones plays so well that they got to pay 33, 34 million. But, but they avoid the problem of a year from now being the team 
that's trying to offload Daniel Jones and his $22 million fully guaranteed yeah. salary like the Browns are trying to do. Right. And the Panthers have get Panthers. The Panthers aren't even trying. They know there's no point. Right. They They're know stuck. it's They're stuck. We're just keeping this guy. Right. No one's touching Sam Darnold for all or part of 18.8, so we're just going to keep him. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. And I think that's why it, that's why it's good business. You know, that that's and I understand like you're it is fascinating cuz we don't see quarterbacks in this spot that much. And still the vibe and the talk is positive about Daniel Jones out of New York. So it, it, I understand how you think it's fascinating because it, it, it is. It's, they say all the right things, and then over in this corner you're like, wait, but they're not doing the right thing by him financially. Well, okay, all right. Well, they, they you know, we, we explained it. We talked about it. There's, there's issues there, and I think it is smart by them, especially with the new regime in there, to get a feel for the guy and know what he is. You know, I was listening to Brian Dayball yesterday. He was talking about Daniel Jones, and he's still getting a feel for what he likes offensively, and he wants him to have ownership. So they're getting that bind and on uh, that bond, and then hopefully, it shows on the football field, and he can prove he's the guy, or, or he can get the money, you know, to back up that he's the guy. But uh, I really think just from even being in the Giants building last year for one day during a training camp, talking to a lot of the coaches there over the last two years. And they think Daniel Jones is the man in a lot of ways. They really do. So I, I, I this is a guy that, yeah, they're doing this business-wise, but I think they're really rooting for and, and want him to be, you know, the face of their franchise for years to come. And, two, you know, I don't think, even if he has an amazing year this year, I don't think it'll be enough still to go, I want $45 million a year or anything like that. You know, I think there's, there's still a – a, a line of demarcation there that you know you got to go more than just one year flash pan thing here to get that kind of money uh at least that would be my two cents yeah maybe not i know josh allen did it in year three well josh allen ascended enough in year three yes. to get himself to the top but, of the market his but, first two years didn't his first two years were better than daniel jones first three though thank you and that's what, and people wait i i hear this a lot and i'm glad you put me this Year two, Josh Allen threw 20 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, and they went to the playoffs, and he was rushing for – he almost broke the record for 100-yard games rushing in a row as a quarterback. So I, there, there's a difference there. That was rookie year. That, no, second year he didn't have that. Year, that was rookie year. Either way, yeah. second year was 20 yeah. and 10, and they went to the playoffs. I know that. So yes. But he was really good as a rookie too. He was. He was really good as a rookie. He was. We saw that. We saw some stuff. Daniel Jones, we're not to that extent. We've seen some stuff here. But now hopefully he's got some support and an offensive play caller like Josh Allen did that can put him in a spot to really show all the skills he has and, and hopefully can. Where I was getting to as I was blabbering is Daniel Jones is the key to all this. The fact that they know he's mature enough, professional enough, and I think realistic enough to understand the scenario he's in, that's what makes this all possible and be able to be smooth. That's where I was getting to. I'm sorry, I'm blonde, it's early, and I couldn't get to it. Yeah, it wasn't that bad. Okay. Trust me, I've I've sat I've sat here through worse. Shut up, wondering what the hell is he trying to say. <laughs> um, but but you're right, you're right, and they don't think he's going to be flustered by right. the fact that that he's not guaranteed the fifth year. And he said himself, he's got responsibility for the way things have gone yeah. so far in his career. So that they do believe in him, and they have accepted the fact. That if he's really, really good this year, it's going to cost them. Right. But again, it's a good problem to have. That means they have a great quarterback. If you have a great quarterback, you got to pay a great quarterback. They would rather have a great quarterback 
and pay a great quarterback than not have a great quarterback and not pay a great quarterback. And what they're trying to avoid is the possibility, and this is where I say they're hedging, they don't want to be in a situation where they don't have a great quarterback, but they're paying $22 million. Yeah, yeah, That's what they want to avoid. Sure. And it's hard to blame them. When yeah. you look around at other examples, it's hard to blame them for that. All right. Jones was the sixth overall pick in 2019. And remember that year, they had another pick in the second 10, and there was a lot of criticism. Oh, you could have gotten him later. You could have gotten him later. Remember, people went nuts about, oh, right. you could have gotten him later. Right. Well, this year, the, the spread was a lot tighter. Kayvon Thibodeau went fifth. They could have gotten him at seven, or maybe they couldn't have. I spoke yesterday with Shane about that aspect as well, more in a broader conversation about Thibodeau. We're going to play some of it now. You can see the whole thing at PFT, but here's some of the conversation about the decision and the reality that they took Kayvon Thibodeau with the fifth overall pick. Yeah, there weren't, there weren't many negatives going through the process. Again, just everybody's different, you know, in terms of personality and, and how you are in certain settings. So he, he's a guy we spent a lot of time with. Um, you know, from the combine to, you know, go taking him out to dinner at his pro day to bringing him in, uh, Zooms with him, you know, FaceTime. So we spent a lot of time with him. You know, he's always had good grades in school. He's never been in trouble. He's a hard worker. He, he had an ankle injury this year. Um, a lot of people that are going to be high picks easily could have hung it up and, and called it a season. And, you know, but this kid fought, fought back. He practiced through it, um, eventually came back and played late in the season. So, yeah, you know, for, for whatever, you know, the draft season and the, the misinformation that gets out there, you know, it's unfortunate. But, you know, we did a lot of research. We felt comfortable with the kid. And, you know, we obviously we were comfortable with the player. You know, we think he's going to be a good fit for us. Chris Sims and I interviewed Thibodeau Super Bowl week, not in person via Zoom like this. But I got the impression he's very gregarious, personable, smart, funny. Does that factor in for you, knowing the market you're in, the exposure the players will have? they got to be able to hold their own dealing with the media. Does that become a factor for you, especially for a high-profile pick? Yeah, and I think it, I think it does for every, every team. You know, I was, um, you know, when I was down in Miami uh, with the Dolphins, that was always something. Can he handle South Beach? Will this kid be able to survive in Miami? How will he be in, you know, that scene? Okay, and then you go to Buffalo. Um, some people are, Hey, that's, that's, that's the ideal place for him because there's not as much going on or, or a player. So whichever team you're in, whatever city you're in, you, you always take in the environment, the outside surroundings. You got to think, of, you know, will this player be able to succeed? Um, you know, will football still be important to him? And again, Kayvon's from LA. There's plenty of stuff going on in LA. Um, he grew up in, in that environment, you know, big city. And, you know, I think he'll just be fine in New York and, you know, we were comfortable with that fit. Makes a lot of sense. You got to consider the market, consider the city, consider Definitely. the distractions, consider the issues. And he will be a magnet for the media in New York because yeah. he gives good quotes. He's an interesting guy. Right. More people are going to want to talk to him. They're going to have to have the right plan, strike the right balance, because you do want to market your guys. Yeah. If you have a guy who is very, very good with the media, you want to put him out there. If you have a guy that isn't so good, you steer the media requests away from that guy. That's part of managing your team. That falls under the umbrella of the PR department. But the GM needs to be concerned about that as well. The coach needs to be concerned about it because you get some guys in awkward spots, bad interviews, bad sound bites. It just it, it adds to the issues you don't want to have to deal with. But with Thibodeau, I don't think they're going to have that problem. He's going to be really good. And uh, I, I just I just wonder how it goes if he has a bad game and he gets some questions that 
are either expressly or implicitly critical of him. Mm-hmm. Will he will he be diplomatic or will he push back? We right. may get some good moments out of it, but I don't know that there's a balance there. There's a balance there. You, you you know you don't you don't want you don't want Jim Everett pushing the table over and jumping on Chris Rome, uh, Jim Rome. Not not that I'm not not that I'm going to suggesting that Kayvon Thibodeau would do that, but I'm saying there's a balance there. But he seems like a guy who will defend himself if he feels like he's being asked an uninformed question, a question that's unfair to him. I don't think he's just going to take it and move on to the next question. I think he'll push back, and I think he'll be able to hold his own. That's what fascinates me about how those interactions could go if he struggles at all either this year or really any year that he's in New York. Uh, agreed. I mean, he, listen, he, he seems like he's smart and, you know, quick, you know, quick-witted, got, you know, response. I mean, he's, I, I, he fits New York in all those areas for, for what Joe Shane said and what you're talking about. He's going to thrive in front of the camera, the spotlight. None of that's going to be a big deal for him. There's no doubt about it. And even if he gets questioned, I think, you know, and does have a bad game like you're talking about. You know, I, I don't think it's going to – I think this is a guy that's pretty smart that way. He'll understand how to talk to the media and and do the right thing. That's where he really, I mean, has made a name for himself over this whole draft process. Listen, we can debate about the player. Certainly, you know me. I hope I'm wrong. I was questionable about the pick at number five. The, the, The personality is also debatable in the NFL world. You know, again, there's a lot of this where, hey, the Giants love him and they see all the great things about him. You know, but there was other teams too, and this is where I'm a little worried about it. Not that he can't handle the media of New York, but can he handle all the directions New York might pull him into? And one of the big things that was the question about him for, for a number of teams always when I would talk to them was a little bit of, Man, it's everything but football at times. I think that's what's scared. He's going to be a businessman. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And I think that's what bothered some teams about him a little. Other teams look at it as a positive and, hey, he's great. He's smart. He's doing all these other things. You know, we have some old school teams that are just going to go, wait, I just want a guy that plays football and doesn't worry about all these other things, at least not yet as a rookie. So that's where it's also going to be interesting, I think, with the player. Uh, But. Uh, I think the personality can handle New York. We do have the capacity as human beings to multitask. No doubt. We are I know. permitted to have multiple interests. And this isn't a criticism of you. Yeah. It just it, it annoys me that there are people in the football sure. world that think, and this is part of the idea, we want the robot who yeah. comes to work, right. punches the clock, does what he's told, punches out, goes home, and sits there with the battery pack being recharged for the next day and yeah. does nothing else. No, I know. It's all football and nothing else. And look, if you're a quarterback, you need to be more invested away from the facility because you're spending more time, I think, studying film, more time getting acquainted with the playbook. For a defensive player yeah. whose job assignment is going to be far more narrow than a quarterback, now it's not, I don't want to boil it down to go tackle the guy with the ball. It's more complicated than that. You need to know what the assignments are of yourself and the guys around you. Yeah. And some defensive players know the assignment of everyone else on the field. But I I still think there's room. And if you're smart, if you're smart and you're a quick study, you don't have to sit there for three hours and spin your wheels to figure something out. You can figure it out in a half hour. No doubt. And then you can go do something else. You're right. And I I think it's good for a person's mental health. To not be all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. So I think these are all positives. It's all in how you spin it. I think these are all positives. 
But, but, and I, I talked to Shane about it as well. And again, you'll see the full interview at the YouTube page or on PFT. We can't play all of it here because we, we want to talk about it. But the idea that somebody outside of the top 10 was really stoking the notion that he's going to slide out of the top 10 because they wanted him. And, sure. and, and Joe sure. had to laugh about that. He knows that's real. Sure. Sometimes the biggest culprits when it comes to the spreading of misinformation about a player are people who want to draft him very badly and they don't want to have to trade up to get him. So if you don't want to trade up to get him, if you can grease the skids for a slide and he's there, mission accomplished. It's very Machiavellian and they're never going to tell the truth about it, especially if they get the kid. Hey, oh, but we're so glad. We're so glad that all those lies we told about you worked so we'd be able to employ you. We, it was brilliant by us. Sorry, sorry you're making $5 million less over the next few years than you would have made if you were drafted higher. Sorry that you didn't get to go to the team you wanted to go to and you're going to us instead. But from our perspective, hey, it was, it was great. We, we told just enough lies about you and just enough suckers in the media pushed it to their audience under the guise of anonymous scouts that we were able to get the owners of a couple of these teams in the top 10 to not to not to not want you so thank you for playing along even though you didn't realize you were playing along no i'm i i mean you're, you're I mean, we know that goes on 100 percent, 100 percent. but i also think the didn't other- work in dallas yeah well didn't work in dallas no, it, who yeah. was number one right yeah, I yeah, I hear you. I hear you. You know, but I think there was a legit conversation with this guy. I think he was, you know, a little polarizing that way. And to your point, listen, you can be like Cave on Thibodeau and you're exactly right, do both. We've seen that. Hey, Michael Strahan, I don't think he was like, you know, and once he got a spot in his career, he was able to do both. There's no doubt about that. Justin Tuck, OC Umanura, all of that, no doubt. Hey, Tiki Barber. Exactly. Tiki Barber was the king of it. It's very, it's very, it's capable. It's very, but every coach in football has been burned by that guy too. And that's where there's the cautionary tale. Every football coach in the NFL has had that same guy and God and gone, gosh, damn it. Gosh, damn it. Gosh, damn it. I can't get this guy in here to do work or do anything because now he's doing this and he's doing that and he's doing this and he's doing that. And we can't. We don't do any extra drills after practice or anything because he's already wants to run in the shower and get dressed because he's got a business meeting to go to. So that's where it scares people, and it shouldn't. It's it's you know like you're saying, it's not apples to apples. Not every human's like that, but we know how coaches are. They're ultra conservative, and when they've been burned by a guy like that before, it scares the hell out of them. And I think he's scared some teams in football with that stuff. And then other teams absolutely loved them. And the Giants obviously were one of those teams. What was Phil's approach to being the Giants quarterback? Oh, my gosh. Was he the Phil? football robot who came over and plugged in, came home and plugged into the wall Definitely. and went back the next day? Phil was like the kind of guy where you're like, hey, dude, you got to get a life maybe and stop being such a robot. Like, it's okay. Go out in the backyard and walk around the yard a little bit. Do something. Yeah, because he was total robot, total psycho. I mean, it was the same routine always. And as I've told you, I mean, win or loss, you know, that would determine how, you know, Sunday evening would go and Monday and Tuesday, just the attitude of the house. You know, they lost. The robot was pissed off. They won. The robot was a lot happier. (laughs) Shane and I had some laughs about that Cowboys draft board that Jerry Jones put up for the media to see. And we talked about it yesterday. I convinced Shane that he should be rooting 
that when a week from today the schedule is released, the Giants play the Cowboys week one so he can take Thibodeau and Evan Neal yeah. over to Jerry Jones before the game and say, you had these guys as one and Here's two on the draft two. board. I got them yeah. in Giants right. uniforms. How about Enjoy. them, how about the them Giants? Yeah. <laughs> how about these Cowboys? Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is pretty amazing. It really is. I know. That, that's what Jerry, that's what, that's really one of the issues with him holding that paper up is the fact that if the Giants have success and these two have success, it's going to be like social media shade thrown at the Cowboys all the time about all that happening. Especially since there's two. Yes. Not one. Yes. I mean, think of that, how it fell. Thibodeau and Neal to the Giants. Thibodeau and Neal, the top two players on the board for the Dallas Cowboys. And part of what Shane talked about also was the psychology of going defensive line. Yeah first and offensive line second and hey they really wanted Thibodeau they were afraid that somebody's going to trade up into the sixth spot to take Thibodeau gotcha. that's why they went Thibodeau at five yeah they thought somebody was going to pop up there and grab Thibodeau so take Thibodeau we're fine with Evan Neal or Ike Aquanu and I think I think you know he's not going to come out and say well we really prefer to Aquanu but we got stuck with Neal they wanted Neil. Yeah. You heard it, I Everything heard it. They I wanted Neil. Yes, yes, right. They got they got their number one tackle yeah. and their number one D lineman. And right. and look, it's it's there's nothing sexy about it because these guys don't touch the football. They're not going to be on anyone's fantasy team except in those leagues that have defensive players on them. But offensive line. Come on, you line. said you know offensive it. line, right. defensive line. Right. Two thousand seven Giants. 2011 Giants. Yeah. I know Eli Manning stepped up in the Giants, clutch. 90 I know Giants. others did think. Right. But but when you have the offensive line and defensive line, yes. that's how you lay the foundation to have a great team. No doubt. No doubt. That's what, the, that's what the Giants have always been. I think that's been the shocking thing about people in football over the last six, seven years is even when the Giants went in between the two Super Bowl runs, they still were teams where people would walk on the field and go, oh, my gosh, the Giants are – big and physical and got some freaks on the field and they've lost that and that's where I think they got to get back to that's that's what the Giants are they're the G-men they're big they're physical it becomes December and cold up here in New York and they're still big and physical and they whoop your butt and they've lost touch with that a little bit and I think they're trying to get back in into that category let's go ahead and take a break when we return a team that is trying to get or trying to stay in the category where it has a great quarterback the Pittsburgh Steelers Kevin Colbert talked to him for a while yesterday, and the topics included their ability to get their next quarterback at pick number 20 and not get leapfrogged by anybody and not have anybody else taken before they could. We'll let you hear some of what Colbert had to say when PFT Live continues right after this. longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it want more helpful tips like this go to keepitfunohio.com for games quizzes and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand 